Well, since um, we all can turn to the tab with the word keys on it, so this will be the first message on that line. The general subject is the keys to the experience and reality of the Jubilee. How about we read the title of message one together? Having our eyes open. How about one more time, sisters, then brothers? Brothers, having our eyes open. Uh, as an introduction, I would like to just uh, mention something real quick here. Um, what, is, uh, what is the purpose of this morning line here? Um, it's actually to complement, not to supplement, but to complement the evening speaking. Of course, evening messages that was uh, started last night are all unveiling to us the spiritual significance, the enjoyment, and the joy, and the shouting of the Jubilee. Amen. But the morning line, the purpose of it is to provide you the keys to enter into the experience and the practice and the reality of the Jubilee. I know you don't want just to come here for the whole week to heard about Jubilee. But I believe in all of you, there's a desire. I want to have the experience of Jubilee. Amen. Not just for this week, but even for the rest of my Christian life. Amen. Is that your desire? And actually, this morning light, there are five messages to cover about seven keys in five messages. And all these keys are found in one verse. Can you imagine that? Just one verse of the Bible provides you keys to enter into the experience of the Jubilee. Amen. And we were not brushing through it because it does require time to develop so that we all can enter into it, the experience, the enjoyment of the Jubilee. How about we read Roman numeral 1 together? Acts 26, 18 reveals the items of the blessings of the Jubilee to open their eyes, to turn them from darkness to light and from the authority of Satan to God and they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among those who have been sanctified by faith in me. Yeah, in such a verse, provide us seven keys to experience the Jubilee. The first item is to open the eyes. Second is to turn them from darkness to light. And third is from the authority of Satan to God. Fourth, to receive the forgiveness of sins. 
Hallelujah. There is forgiveness of sin. Amen. Jubilee is to receive something. Amen. The first thing we receive is the forgiveness of sin. Five, the inheritance. Don't you like the inheritance? Amen. Brothers and sisters, we have a rich inheritance. Actually, God is our inheritance. Amen. Not five bedrooms house. Not hundred acres of land. But God. Amen. God is our portion. He is our rich inheritance. Amen. And then you have uh, being sanctified by faith. That is another key. And then you have the last item, item seven, is those, those who have been sanctified by faith. Referring to the people. Look around. Left and right. These are those. Hallelujah. I'm with those. But that will come on the last day. The outline says blessings. Of course, these blessings are keys for our experience. Actually, this verse, Acts 26, 18, also can be considered as the commission that Paul received. Paul did not just receive a commission, but actually, as we will show you, his commission actually was his experience. If you want to see exactly how we can experience Jubilee, we need to look at Paul's experience. Because if you just read the Old Testament, Leviticus 25, you may envision Jubilee in a certain way. A lot of outward things. A lot of physical items. But we will open it to you to look into Paul's experience of the Jubilee. Hallelujah. Paul was jubilated. Amen. He's jubilant. And um, before I get into the out, uh, further in the outline, I just want to mention here, uh, Jubilee was first mentioned, like last night, Brother Craig uh, showed us, it was first mentioned in Leviticus 25. And that was mentioned in a way of type. It's a, it was a typology. It means it's a, just a picture to describe something. Yeah, so that... 50th year, the year of Sabbath. That was a picture as a type. But then, in Isaiah 61, Isaiah spoke about Jubilee also. He referred that as a year of, the year of uh, acceptable year of the Lord. That also referred to Jubilee. But that is in the form of prophecy. So that means Leviticus 25, it was just a shadow. It was just a picture. And Isaiah prophesied further. 
the reality is coming. And then Luke chapter 4. Now we come to the New Testament. Luke chapter 4 is the fulfillment in a spiritual reality of the Jubilee. And then actually this fulfillment lasted for the entire New Testament age. The age of grace, which we are in right now. What age we are in? We're in the age of grace. This is the age of jubilee. Jubilee is not just one year. Jubilee actually is an age. Started from the Lord's first coming. And continue on. Centuries. Even up to today. We are still in the year of jubilee. But Acts 26, 18 described to us the jubilee being experienced. So you have the type in Leviticus 25. You have the prophecy in Isaiah 61. You have the fulfillment by the declaration of the Lord on one of the Sabbath day in the synagogue. That is Luke 4. He said, this word is fulfilled in your hearing. That means it was fulfilled at that moment. He read it and those who heard it. And but, this jubilee was experienced by Paul as he described here in Acts 26.18. And another point I would like to make is jubilee is not something that we wait to enjoy in the future or something after life. For this, I would like to read to you 2 Corinthians 6.2. For he says, I mean, God says, in an acceptable time, I listen to you, and in a day of salvation, I help you. Behold, now is a well-acceptable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Don't push the jubilee to the future. Don't push the jubilee to afterlife. Jubilee is for now. Let me repeat it again. Behold, now, behold, now is the well-acceptable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. And also, to back it up, with Hebrews chapter 4, verse 7 through 9, again, I will read this to you. He again designated a certain day Today, say David, after so long a time, even as he has said before, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. Then go to verse 9. He says, so then there remain a Sabbath rest for the people of God. David, the King David, he prophesied there was a Sabbath rest coming. And it's today. Hallelujah. The Lord is our Sabbath rest. Amen. When you have the Lord, you have the true rest. If you don't have the Lord, you only have toil and labor. How about say to your neighbor, neighbor, the Lord is your rest. Amen. Hallelujah. The Lord is our rest.
And actually, our enjoyment of the rest in the next age very much depends on our uh, enjoyment and entering into the rest today in the church life. So today, let's redeem today. Let's enter in, let's enjoy it today. If we want to reign with the Lord in a millennial, the kingdom age, to enjoy the fuller Sabbath rest with Him, we need to enjoy Him today. If we're not enjoying Him today, actually we'll be disqualified to enjoy Him the next age. Hallelujah. Um, So our burden here is that we not just learn about Jubilee, but we want to experience the Jubilee. We not only want you to experience it here so that this week you can say, oh, I experienced it. Then you shove it away. But we want you to continue to apply what you experienced here this week for the rest of your Christian life. Lord Jesus, may all this, may this become our prayer. Amen. We want to enjoy you, experience you, and enjoy the freedom in you. Um, how about go to Roman numeral 2? Let us read together. Amen. Yeah, for this Roman numeral 2, before I cover A, B, C, D, E, I will first cover F. Uh, For F, I would like, actually, it's a story uh, that is referred to in John chapter 9, verse 1 through 7. I would like to uh, come to this story first. Uh, before I cover the other points. Uh, in John chapter 9, I just read it here from, a, from the verses to you. And as he passed by, he saw a man blind from birth. Blind from birth. And his disciple asked him, saying, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he would be born blind? Jesus answered, Neither has this man sinned nor his parents, but he was born so that the works of God might be manifested in him. I skip to verse 5. While I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. Amen. The Lord is the light of the world. Verse 6. When he has said this, he spat on the ground and made clay of the spittle and anointed his eyes with the clay. Verse 7, he said to him, Go, wash in the pool of Siloam, which is interpreted sent. He went therefore and washed and came away seeing. You know, to heal the blind is a miracle. And this miracle had never been performed in the Old Testament. So, healing the blind by the Lord 
is definitely a New Testament thing. Apparently, this, there is a short story here about how the Lord healed a blind person who was born blind. So he became blind not by accident. He was born blind. And it seems strange also, unusual, how the Lord healed him. In some cases, the Lord just touched him, touched a person, he got healed. But in this case, the Lord did a very unusual thing, which has a lot of spiritual significance that will unpack it for you in a minute. And he spit to the ground and make, make, mix it with the clay to make a spittle. And then he applied that spittle on the eyes of the blind person. Then after that, he said, go to a particular place, particular pool to wash. Then this person become healed from his blindness. Well, how about we uh, just go through the point F, under point F. How about we read F together, then we alternate between brother and sister with point uh, 1, 2, 3, and 4, and 5. Receive your sight. We need to receive by Amen. The Lord is the light of life. Amen. One, uh, brothers. Yeah, what proceeds out of the Lord's mouth is the word. But here, it's in the form of spittle, uh, in the form of, uh, yeah, that's what comes out from the Lord's mouth. It's the word, word of God, which, is, which can give life and spirit. Amen. Amen. This is what proceeds out from the Lord. He is life. And then he mingled with the clay, which signifies the humanity. Okay, point two, sisters. Amen. That was an anointing. The word anointing was chose to describe this action. It was very meaningful. And that signified that the spirit being applied, anoint to this person. Okay, three brothers. That the blind man went and watched, he, he obeyed the life-giving word of the Lord. He received sight. Amen. And number four, sisters. Amen. So there is a need of our cooperation, of obedience, of the Lord's sending. Okay, five, I will read it to you. If we obey the living word and say, Amen, Lord Jesus. How about we all say that together? Amen, Lord Jesus. We immediately have the sensation that something has fallen off our eyes and we have light. Our old humanity has fallen away and we can see into the heavens. Hallelujah. And these eyes, definitely, this person was born, born blind. But brothers and sisters, before we got saved, actually we are all blind. We may not be blind physically. We can see colors. 
but spiritually, the inner eyes, the eyes of our hearts are blind. We don't see anything of the spiritual things, things in the spiritual realm. We need, for that, to see that, we need our eyes to be open. Um, the reason I want to cover this first is because I want to go back to look at Paul's experience. And his experience is exactly according to the principle how the Lord healed the blind man in John chapter 9. Uh, for this, I will refer, you know, in the book of Acts, there are three accounts of Paul's conversion. One was narrated by Luke, the writer. And the second time, uh, that was in chapter 9, we will look it up, and uh, the brother will help to project that to the screen so we all can see it. And the, the second account is Luke chap, uh, Acts chapter 22. That was Paul himself testified to a group of people that tried to done away, uh, try to kill him. So his narration in chapter 22 was very detailed. And then another account was in Acts chapter 26 to a group of, you know, governor or Festus, uh, people of high position when he wanted to need to defend himself. Okay, let's come to this uh, verse here. Um, I want you to... Uh, Focus on, well, let me back up a little bit. Uh, before I come to touch Paul's case, you know, Paul serving God before his experience of chapter 9. But after this experience of chapter 9, he also served God. But he served God blinded before this experience. And then, after this experience, his inner eyes got open, and he served God in a totally different way. Amen. Well, let me describe, before he got saved, when he served God without vision, is that he served God blindly. And he served according to the tradition and religion. And he served God according to the knowledge of the Bible. He just go by the book. He take it literally, doctrinally. And he served God self-righteously. And he's full of confidence on being right. He served for his own self-justification. And he's full of enthusiasm. And he served definitely with a purpose. Uh, but after he'd been saved, he served him in a very different way. He served him with his eyes open, with a vision. Instead of serving him in a traditional and religious way, he's serving in spirit. Amen. What does it mean to serve traditionally or religiously? That means you are imitating someone. Brothers and sisters, is, are you in the church life just because of your parents or because of your serving ones? You just imitate them or you've been told you know, to do what, they've been, what you've been told? Or you have seen something? That can make a big difference. Amen. When you see something, the church life is not just the church life of someone, but the church life becomes yours. Amen. And you really treasure it. And you love it. Amen. And Paul, after he saw the vision, 
He served with Christ. One with Christ. Not by himself. With self-righteousness. And he also served in faith. Not with with his own self-confidence. And he served fervently. Burning in spirit. Instead of enthusiasm. with, With his enthusiasm. And he served no longer with his own purpose, but with the Lord's guidance. Okay, with that understanding, let's come to look at uh, Acts chapter 9, particularly verses 8 and 9. How about we read together verses 8 and 9? Amen. So, brothers and sisters, if we want to have our eyes open, first we need to be willing to be, to be made blind. That was Paul's experience. Brothers and sisters, would you like to have your eyes made blind? Blind of the worldly things? With the, all kinds of distractions? How about this week? We give ourselves, since you pay the price to be here, I know many of you really paid a price to be here this week. May this week not go to, to waste. Lord, I really want to see here, uh, see you here. Amen. Lord, open my eyes. For this, I'm willing to blind myself from seeing other things. I want just to see you. Lord, sanctify my eyes. Blind ourselves from looking at each other. Looking at each other's faults. Right? Lord, I just want to see Christ in my brothers. I want to see Christ in my sisters. So that was Paul's experience, right? But verse 11, And the Lord said to him, Rise up and go to the lane called Straight, and seek in the house of Judas a man from Tarsus named Saul. Behold, he is praying. When Paul's eyes was not blinded, he was not praying. Probably the way he prayed was, would be very different, would be quite natural. He would pray for his own purpose. Lord, help me doing this. Lord, help me carrying that out. Lord, be my this. I'm not sure what he prayed. But when he became blind, cannot see, then he has the time to pray. In fact, the only thing he can do is pray. Pray is a way for our eyes to be open. And then verse 12 is precious. And he has seen in a vision a man. So can you see the relationship here? Verses 8 and 9, his eyes was blind. And then verse 11 he was praying. Then verse 12 right away said, he has seen in a vision. He started to see a vision. Now go to uh, Acts 22. This is where I want to dwell on. Verse 8. This was Paul's word. And I answered, who are you, Lord? And he said to me, I am Jesus the Nazarene, whom you persecute. Now I want to ask you, 
what did really Paul pray? He was blinded for three days. Do you think he prayed, Lord, help me get through my midterms? Lord, help me to get that internship? Do you think he will pray this way? After him being knocked down by the great light? And he said he prayed. Let me give you a little clue. At least this is my guess. I think he will pray everything that he heard from the Lord. He might be praying in this way, based on verse 8. Who are you, Lord? You know what he heard? He said to me, I am Jesus the Nazarene. He is blinded. He might say, Lord, Jesus. Oh, that Lord is Jesus. Oh, Lord, Jesus. Who is Jesus? Oh, he is Jesus the Nazarene. Because in that time, many people named Jesus. Oh, Jesus the Nazarene. It was the one that had been despised. It was the one that had been crucified. Oh, it's Jesus. In his praying, he starts to see Jesus. You know, Paul was much younger. He was not at the scene when Jesus was crucified. But by this, you know what? He was praying, Lord Jesus, you are who? It's Jesus. Jesus the Nazarene. You know what? Because Paul is very knowledgeable with the Old Testament, now he might start to make connection. Isaiah 53. The whole chapter prophesied how the Lord, like a dumb sheep, been led to slaughter. That was referred to Jesus. That was Jesus. You see, he started to see a little more of who the Lord is. Oh, you were despised, Lord. How sweet to call your name. Lord Jesus. I thought they called just someone's name in a ruthless way. But now I call you, I started to taste, oh, Jesus. He might be started to be filled with the Lord's love toward him. He started to be touched by the Lord's love. Hallelujah. Jesus, the Nazarene, whom whom you persecute. Lord, when, when did I persecute you? Lord Jesus, Jesus, the Nazarene. I persecute those people who call on Jesus. You are not only from heaven. Now actually you are in them. You are one with them. Oh, what is this? Oh, Jesus. The more he prayed, he fellowship, the more he started to realize something that he never realized before. The heavens started to open up to him. He started to have the spiritual sight, spiritual seeing. Wow, this Jesus, not only in heaven, because I did hear the voices from heaven, but he says, Jesus, by persecute me. You see my point? Paul doing this for three days. How about, no, this is not yet. Go to verse 10. Then he might have said at some point, Lord, what shall I do? And then more word to him. A simple word. Rise up. 
and go into Damascus. And there it will be told to you concerning all the things which you have been uh, appointed to do to you. Oh, Lord Jesus, what should I do? Rise up. Rise up. Lord, really? You're not just to kill me right here? Because I killed so many of your lovers. You say, rise up. Lord, is that your forgiveness to me? Thank you, Lord. Rise up. Rise up and go. Oh, Lord Jesus, what a mercy. Lord, go where? Lord, you want me to go? Paul was blinded. He was fully focused. He was not distracted. He was able to pray back, pray back. Whatever he heard, the more he prayed with the word that he heard, the more his skies got open. That will be told to you. Before that, Paul was doing everything. No one told him to do anything. He was himself self-appointing. But now I've been appointed. Lord, you not only forgive me, but you also appoint me. Lord, what a mercy. Saints, did you get my point? If we want to have our eyes open, we need to pray in this way. Maybe not that familiar with you. You maybe only pray in a routine way. Pray the phrases that you already memorized for years. You know what I mean? Lord, give us today's food. Lord, be our protection. Cover us from many harms. I'm not saying that that is not prayer. But that was not Paul's prayer. I don't think he would be there praying that routine kinds of prayer. He asked the Lord. The Lord spoke. And he prayed back. He started to see things. How about this week, brothers and sisters? We have such an engaging prayer with the Lord in our time with Him. I guarantee you, when you're having such a transaction with the Lord, you will see things. You will see Jesus. This scene bring you into the jubilee. This scene free you from the self-bound soul. This scene free you from the power of sin. This scene from you sa saving you from tradition. You see the living Jesus. You'll be fully energized. You'll be electrified. Oh, Jesus. Or oh, it might cause you to repent. I don't know what the Lord will do to you as you spend this kind of time. Because He is living. He is not a prescribed things religiously. He is Jesus. Amen. Jesus living again. Verse 13. Come. Came to me and stand by. Said to me, Saul, brother, receive your sight. You know, at this point, Paul pray what he heard from the Lord. He also probably pray what he heard from the speaking of the Lord through another member, which is Ananias. Brother, Lord, I was their enemy. I was persecuting. This person called me brother. Oh, what a, what a sweet calling. I'm a brother. Oh, Saul, brothers. Oh, brothers. You've been called brother. Amen. 
Oh, I'm one of the brother. I'm one of Christ's brother. How loving. How sweet. How intimate. That includes sisters. Okay, sister, you're not left out. You're also brothers of Christ. Amen. Uh, 14. The God of our Father. I can go on and on. Saints, there are too much here. But because of time, uh, how about we just read point A, B? I will read that to you, okay? This is the work that the young people should do today. We should open the eyes of this generation that they may turn from darkness to light. This is our work. Young people, we can do this work. But before we do this work, point B said that, in order to do this, we ourselves must have the vision and see the heavenly things. Like Paul, like I just described to you earlier. You know, Paul, letting the word of God mix with him. Just like the Lord speeding, mixed with the clay. He was anointed. And also the Lord numerous times saying, go. And he obeyed. Go into Damascus. Rise up and go. So it's the same principle as we saw in John chapter 9. May this also become our experience. May this principle become our guidance into our experience with the Lord so that our eyes can be opened. We must see the things, point C, we must see the things concerning Christ, not by being taught, but by having Christ appear to us. Yeah, there are messages sharing with, uh, to you, but I hope that these messages not just leave it in the notes, but after you take it, receive it, I pray, I pray that you will all turn it into prayer. Lord, what you just heard, turn it to conversation. Turn it to prayer with the Lord. And that way, it is not just an information that you receive. It becomes a vision. It becomes your reality. It becomes your experience. How about go to point three? We just read through it. And this point is very helpful too. Uh, together, point Roman number three. Now we need to go to the Lord and pray saying, Lord, open my eyes. I don't need knowledge. Lord, I need my eyes to be open. Brothers, A, we must cast away the old things and say, Lord, show me something by appearing to me. Lord, you appeared to Paul and he saw something and you told him that you would show him more through your appearing to him. Lord, appear to me so that in your appearing I may see something and then tell people of what I have seen. So we're not just enjoy the Jubilee, but we also become a proclaimer of Jubilee. Okay, Sister B. Amen. May we not let the Lord go without having our eyes been opened. Lord, I don't want to let go. I don't want to simply let you go. Lord, open my eyes, otherwise I would die. Even with fasting and praying, asking the Lord to open our eyes, 
see, uh, brothers. Let me just want to. Let me just want to. Uh, let me to. I just want to comfort you. The Lord is ready to heal. The Lord is ready to open. Because the Lord asked Bartimaeus, he said, what do you want me to do for you? And he said, I want my eyes to be able to see. And these kinds of prayer, the Lord is more than happy to answer it. In the same chapter, actually, there was another question the Lord asked to John and his brother, James. What do you want me to, to do for you? Do you know what these two brothers said? Grant us one to sit on your right hand and one to sit on your left hand. Oh, that kind of prayer, that kind of asking, you will not get the answer. But how about this? When the Lord asks, what do you want me to do for you? Lord, I want my eyes to be open. Amen. Okay, let's read the uh, Roman numeral 4 together. If we pray this way, the Lord would appear to us. In his appearing, we will see something. This appearing will make us witnesses. Then, as we contact other young people, we will not merely be preachers, but witnesses. Amen. And read the focus together. In order to carry out the Lord's commission to proclaim the Jubilee, we first need the Lord Jesus. We need our eyes to be open to see something of Christ and the spiritual things so that we may be witnesses to others of what we have seen. For this, we need to pray. Amen. Pray. Praying is the way to see. Amen.